31702. It's eight minutes after eight o'clock, joined on the line by parenting expert, parent and human potential expert, Nikki Bush, to speak about parent fitness. Nikki, good morning. Good morning, Gooks. So when we speak about parent fitness, what are we talking about? Gooks, parenting requires an enormous amount of energy on top of whatever it else whatever else it is that you do in the day. And I think it requires a certain level of fitness, so to speak. So being a good parent really has much to do with our children, but rather it's about our energy levels and the choices we make. And they're often interlinked. And I often say that you make your worst parenting decisions when you're tired. Mm. And is parent fitness important for new parents or people who are planning to be parents? When should you be thinking about fitness? What a great question. I think if any existing parent actually knew how much time and energy parenting would take, they probably wouldn't have become a parent in the first place. So this really is for everybody, Um, whether you are um, you know, it, thinking of, of becoming a parent, but more so if you are already a parent. It's important that you keep your own energy cup filled so that you can continue to pour into those cups of others, largely being your children. Because if you're coming from a place of an empty cup, it's just you're under-resourced all the time. I mean, I was reading an interesting piece about they they were saying that there are 10 factors or common factors that determine the fitness of a parent. Are there actually that many? What are some of the important <laughs> ones? Well, let's look at um, how to boost our personal battery, you know, because if you think of yourself as an energy battery, that's a nice analogy. And you don't want to be running out of energy. And Part of being um, an effective parent and keeping your battery charged and full is to make yourself supportable by connecting. And I often hear parents, especially, you know, obviously it's it's difficult today because most parents are full-time working parents. So they're very busy during the day. But we forget that we are our children's role models in terms of socialization. And being a human being, we actually need to socialize as well. So we need to make sure that we are building our social network in the real world. And we do that by attending school functions or watching a sports match on a Saturday or reaching out to other parents, networking and socializing face-to-face rather than hanging off the end of your cell phone and pretending to be productive. And I I fell into this trap at one point with my second child who was a a real sportsman. He did every sport imaginable. And I remember going to watch cricket. You know, cricket is like watching paint dry. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember going to watch him play cricket in the afternoons. And trying to work on my laptop in full sunshine, you know, trying to be productive. Until I actually realized that this wasn't helping me and it wasn't helping him because he's a quality time, acts of service child. Mm -hmm. And me being on my laptop while trying to watch him play cricket didn't fill his cup. And I was losing the opportunity of actually creating connections of my own that would support me 
in times of need. You know, if you don't invest in building a network, who are you going to call when you're running late from a meeting and you can't fetch your child from school or when there's a family emergency and you need to phone someone and say, can you please take my child home? And I don't know what time I'm going to fetch them because I'm at the hospital with my mother. And that kind of peace of mind is priceless and it helps you keep your energy battery full. So that's just one of a couple that I have in mind. And so you speak about, for instance, your your, your personal battery. So thinking about yourself as being, I guess, um, yeah, you, you only have so many resources. But what about the last two years? We've all had these immense disruptions, um, disruptions to how we work, disruptions to how we socialize. At some point, we weren't even socializing. We spent a few months um, just indoors and there was huge disruptions to children as well. So how would you be doing fitness wise as a parent after the last two years, given that you just have yet so much stress and uncertainty and anxiety to deal with? And I mean, we're still not out of the woods, but it has been a difficult year. So what has that done to your fitness as a parent? Well, going back to the socialization, we've seen parents obviously stop socializing because they couldn't. And we've seen children not have playdates anymore because they couldn't. Now we have to very intentionally get back on that bicycle. And I can tell you that even just uh, when I run um, corporate workshops, there is a fitness that has declined and we need to really, you know, slowly, slowly get back into those workshop rooms, get back into having a Sunday braai with friends. And yesterday, just talking to the group that I was coaching, you know, we used to go to a braai at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and leave at six. And now by three o'clock, we're exhausted. Because yes. our social fitness has declined. Yes. It takes effort to hold a conversation. It takes effort to think of things to say. It, in fact, somebody said to me yesterday, it's much easier just to stay at home and watch Netflix because it takes less effort and energy. But the downside, if you're a parent, is that you're not passing on socialization skills to your children. And your kids need to see you in a family context. And we usually can only do this on a weekend now because we work full time during the week. But every now and again, maybe not even every weekend, but maybe even once a month, host people for a braai or meet people at a family restaurant. Get your kids socializing in a group a family with another family is a group where kids have to jostle, where they have to, you know, find their way to get airtime in a group because kids have lost that ability. And so what's happening, and I spoke at a school last week, which is very, very interesting, is there's a lot of parents reporting into school principals that their child is being bullied and actually, their child is not being bullied. Children are just having to learn how to socialize again. And not everybody is going to be your child's friend. Not everybody is going to be your best friend. But we have to learn to be okay with people and socialize with people, even if they're not our best friends. Our kids have got to learn how to socialize with people who maybe they don't like. Because, hey, one day, 
they're going to have jobs in the future world of work. And you can't necessarily choose who's going to be on the team that you're going to land up in. So you've got to learn to get along with people. And learning how to get along with people takes practice and experimentation. And we need to provide our children with opportunities to practice those skills. I had a parent the other day who said, I, I just hate Playdates, the idea of a playdate and sitting there with my three-year-old child makes my hair turn gray. And she's coming from a place of going, ah, there are better things in my life that I have to do. And yet she's taking away a real teachable moment for her child. And if you have preschool children, you have to stay and play, not drop and run. Once they're in primary school, you can do the drop and run. But those preschool years are fairly critical in showing your children what socialization looks like. Mm. And so what happens in that instance, like the parent you were just referring to, where you know in the, the importance of play dates, but it is just so difficult for you and especially again like we were saying after the last two years we are all just trying to be humans social creatures again because so much of our uh, contact time our face-to-face time with other people has been limited from you know you don't go to work anymore we're doing a lot more remote working you haven't been to as many events there haven't been as many opportunities to connect with people so what do you do if you are that parent and just the thought of a play date is just enough to, to stress you out? <laughs> I think you've really got to think about how you're future-proofing your child and how you are creating peace of mind by building the supportive network that you can lean on. Because not everybody is blessed with immediate friends and family living close by. So we have to intentionally start creating that support structure. And I talk about sharing time, space, and place with people. And they don't have to be your best friends. They don't have to become your best friends. You actually have to create layers of support. And those layers might consist of immediate family. Then it might be your best friend circle. And then it's the other The other, those are the people you pass in the car park. Those are the people who you're going to watch the cricket match next to. Those are the people you'll see at the school play. And you need to just dig a little deeper than just being a passing acquaintance that you smile at. And be interested in other people. You know, we're all going through our own challenges. And even if you, you know, find it a bit cringeworthy, maybe you have to just push beyond your immediate barriers and ask other people how things are going for them. Mm-hmm. Ask other people what challenges they're facing because you might just find some wisdom in asking those questions. You might just find some solutions that you hadn't thought of because our lives have become too narrow far too narrow and the human experience is a very broad thing and you know in leadership circles we talk about sharing best practice parents too can share best practice and you might find wisdom in the most unexpected places so i think we have to take the judgment blinkers off um you know i think a lot of that judgment is oh you know i don't know i don't know if that that if I spend some time with that person, I might be wasting my time. And I think there's a lot of judgment 
in that thought process. We're not open to being surprised by what might be out there. You know, the person you least expect to become a best friend might actually become that biggest ally in your life. Hmm. One of the, which I thought quite, was quite interesting in this list of kind of the 10 ways you can be fit as a parent refers to the ability to regulate your own impulses and emotions, which I thought was interesting. So obviously there's quite a lot that relates to the child's well-being, ensuring their structure, ensuring um, that they are okay. They're, like you were saying, developing and maintaining appropriate relationships. But it also sounds like having a handle on what's happening with you is also quite important. Absolutely. And there's a couple of things I'd like to say in response to that one. And the first one is on the emotional level, you need to become self-aware of your personal emotional baggage. And that's important because those things become triggers in your life that make you reactive And parents need to become as self-aware as possible and as emotionally mature as possible so they become more responsive than reactive. So the longer you hold on to an issue or leave a problem unresolved, the more energy you will start to expend on it and the less you will be present with those you love, leading you to be snappy and irritable. And often, What we most need is someone to talk to. So going back to our previous point, how are you developing a support structure who you can talk to, who can be a sounding board for you so that you don't get bogged down in problems and issues for long? And then the second point on this is boosting your human energy battery. One of the things that I learned to do was power nap. Learning how to power nap wherever you are, because as I said right at the beginning of this conversation, parenting takes an enormous amount of energy on top of everything else that you have to do. So I would arrive at school to fetch my children, say, 15 minutes early or arrive at an extramural activity 20 minutes early, if you can, of course, you know, but this is how you learn to consciously structure your life. And then I would park far away from everybody and have a power nap in my car. And I have done that, I don't know how many hundreds, maybe thousands of times in my parenting life because shutting down and switching off your phone and being alone for a few minutes without demand can just give you that boost that you need to make it through the rest of the day. And it also means that you're going to be on time to collect your child, which is one of those bridge-building opportunities being on time to collect your child. It's okay to be late every now and again, but can they trust you to show up for them on time more often than less often? Hmm. Which also speaks to your emotional battery because parental guilt, Googs, is a massive, massive drain on a human energy battery parental guilt and parents feel guilty about all sorts of things from being on time to being so busy to feeling they're not bringing their a game to the table because they work that's a very big conversation that maybe we should pick up at another time but another thing that you can do gogs if you land up choosing to say go and watch your child play sport is if they're on like a cricket field or an athletics field, or a hockey field, 
you could use that time to kill two birds with one stone because get moving, getting your body moving is another way to reboot, energize, and become parent fit. You might not have time to go to the gym, but you might have chosen to go and watch your child play a hockey match. And while you're watching, you could be walking around and around the field. So that's another way of getting in your exercise and your steps while also watching what's going on at the same time. I mean, the point about the guilt, um, you know, I think you are right that it is something that needs picking up on because, again, especially after the last two years, I imagine there are many parents that are feeling terrible that they're not functioning at their pre-March 2020 levels. They can't do things that they used to be able to do. Um, you know, people might be going through post-traumatic stress or grief or anxiety because it, it just has been a, a tough couple of years. And so, you know, I do wonder just how many parents are just feeling that guilt of I'm not I'm not the version of myself that I was two years ago um, and I can't be present in the way that I want so that even my family needs. And, you know, how do you navigate uh, those those very negative and heavy feelings? So guilt is a very interesting emotion and it's one that we need to diffuse as quickly as possible because strangely enough, when we feel guilty, it puts our children in the driver's seat. And a lot of parental guilt at the moment actually stems from the fact that shame, my child isn't having the perfect childhood. You know what? You're giving the best you can. Uh, and if you keep feeling these, this sense of guilt, you actually perpetuate the cycle and you have to pull yourself out of it and go, right, today I'm giving the best I can. There is nothing more that I can give. And you have to be okay with that. And the quicker you diffuse that guilt, and I must tell you that women, mothers, have a much bigger and more sensitive guilt gland than fathers do. Much bigger, which means that we are much more manipulable. And in fact, I had so many parents this week talking to me about these. This was the line. My daughter lets me. My daughter allows me. And I said, excuse me? That means that your daughter is the puppeteer and she's pulling the, the strings and you're dancing to her tune. Pa uh, children need us to take back control regardless of the disruption we've gone through, mm -hmm. regardless of how much we may feel that we're not doing the best possible job. We have to take back the reins of control. Our children need us to be in the driver's seat because it's a very uncomfortable and unsafe place for them to be when they feel that we're not. Um, so catch a wake up and it doesn't matter what's happening in your life. You need to keep it in perspective. And I promise you that even tough times are teaching us some really good lessons for our children. And we can absolutely say quite honestly to our children, you know what? This isn't nice or it hasn't been a fun time. It really hasn't, but it's okay. We're coming out of it and we have a plan. And this is what we're going to do. And as long as you can tell your children firmly that we have a plan, they will feel calm and you won't be infecting them with your anxiety. And you can be honest by saying, it's terrible. You know, like perhaps this war 
that we're witnessing on our TVs, that this is terrible and it makes me feel uncomfortable too. But this is where we live and this is how the war is either affecting us or not affecting us and showing your children how you are creating a safe space for them and how they don't have to be afraid right now. In terms of where parents can get more info, um, particularly on this topic, where can they go? Right, so I have a closed Facebook group called Parenting Matters. And if you pop onto that, in fact, I will be spending the next 10 minutes or so doing a Facebook Live continuing on this conversation. And of course, there's NikkiBush.com and my book, Future Proof Your Child. Nikki, always a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Googs. Speak to you next week. Chat next week. That's Nikki Bush, Parenting and Human Potential Expert.